Blue Magic is the world's first pheromonal replication, plant-based fungicide and pesticide that we are now pretty heavily moving into the agricultural market and the home and garden market. We just wrapped up some studies with Auburn University that were extremely prolific, very good studies and, and research compared to most common products used in organic farming today. And even a couple that are used in non-organic farming, which is great when we can go out there and be more effective than a chemical-based product and typically cheaper uh, on our side. Again, this pheromonal complex, Mm -hmm. extremely effective. Chiggers, fleas, mosquitoes, flying insects, noceums, saying that for our pets. Okay. We do have a spray, a shampoo that has added cedar oil and peppermint that is very effective on ticks. Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have with us Ryan Early. Ryan is the controlling owner of Blue Green Ventures. Can Tech Labs and the general contractor for the Northwestern Oklahoma State University Industrial Pilot Program. Well, welcome to our show, Ryan. Ah, thank you for having me, Shannon. No problem, my friend. No problem. I'm glad to have you on the show. It sounds like you've been doing some phenomenal work here. You're known as Farmer Ryan as well. Well, that's what they call me. Yeah. That's a title duly so you, yeah. Yeah. So you go right hands on in your research, I hear, right? 100%. Yes, sir. Brief back history, I guess, on how I got into research. Sure. And, um, of course. And developing that program. Um, growing up here in Oklahoma, I've lived here all my life, Oklahoma City, 40 mm-hmm. years old now. And at the age of 13, I discovered cannabis. I discovered that it was something that could help me not need to take. AD medication or anxiety medication or a lot of the things that the doctors were wanting me to prescribe and didn't know why, but knew it helped. And growing up here, partying in the fields, cornfields and whatnot, we, there was always yeah. some, some old, old hemp or ditch weed or whatever you want to call it on yeah. the sides yeah. of the roads. And I had always was curious about why, how it got there. And I began working with local legislators uh, in 2017, actually 2016 to draft legislation that would allow the research and study of industrial hemp here in Oklahoma and kind of let us start going out and seeing what that was. And ultimately with local legislator, Mickey Dollins, we authored house bill 2913 and that allowed Oklahoma businesses to partner with local universities to conduct research only studies on industrial hemp. And our program that I put together was Project Hemp for Victory. We went out into all 77 counties in Oklahoma and, and then essentially found feral cannabis, feral hemp. And people say, why, how? Our first question was, why did hemp get in every county in Oklahoma when it's really not a native plant here? It was brought here by many tribes over the years during the Oklahoma territorialization. And again, those tribes being shipped here from all over the country. But mainly we found that the U.S. government in 1938 and 39 
went all over the world and collected different varietals of cannabis. Oh. Hemp from our enemies, from our allies, like to bring it here to see if maybe there was a better varietal for long strand fiber, uh, which was used in sailor ships, riggings, clothing, flags, sails, tents. History doesn't really get into that so much. We, we want to think it was cotton and nylon back then. It actually was not. It was hemp fiber. And the reason they chose Oklahoma is because Oklahoma is the only state in the country that represents all nine agricultural microclimates. Uh, in other words, it made a perfect <clears throat> testing ground and proving ground to bring these different varietals from these different environments around the world to America to see what was going to be the most sustainable for us. And they did just, they, they ultimately found two cultivar that they chose, and they took those to Kentucky and Illinois and grew right around 140,000 acres in 1940 and 41, which ultimately supplied the fiber that was necessary for World War II. And bear in mind, this is all just a few years after passing the 1937 Marijuana Tax Act, which classed industrial hemp and traditional cannabis and gave it the differentiated terms and leg legislation of marijuana and hemp. Until then, it was all just cannabis. Some had more THC, like the Southern varietals in Mexico, and some had none, like found in Europe and all over North America. Mm -hmm. But they were mm -hmm. all dubbed together in, in one classification. And so it's unique that the U.S. government had to go back and ask local farmers quietly to grow this cannabis for the war. And it's something that most states didn't hear anything about, and you won't find much about in our history books. Uh, and again, that was kind of the basis to our research program. And I'll stop right there in case you have any questions. Yeah. So what is the hemp fiber used for? Hemp fiber has been used for thousands of years. Yeah. Nowadays, it's been, oh, it's on the rise. It's been extinctified, yeah. if you will, in America, mainly mm -hmm. due to mm -hmm. William Randolph Hearst and William DuPont in the late 19s and early 20s yeah. began the slanderous uh -huh. campaign because hemp is a direct competitor with trees for paper and, and paper mills. And William Randolph Hearst owned right around 400,000 acres, Tennessee, in 1920, mm -hmm. and as hemp farming was on the rise, so industrial hemp can produce four times as much long strand fiber for paper oh, per acre okay. than trees, okay. and it can be harvested twice yeah. a year instead of once every 10 or 20 years. So big benefit, ma major competitor and Mr. Hurst going out and buying all this land for the last 10, 20 years, building his empire for paper from trees. And Mr. DuPont, which was the chemical supplier for the stripping, the creation of the paper pulp, decided that it may be best should they lobby and demonize this competitor of theirs. At the same time, Mr. Henry Ford was in development during the late 1920s and in 1941 actually released his hemp car. Now, this automobile what? was completely built from hemp, and it's on YouTube. No uh, way. Great, yeah, brother. Great links. Wow. This car yeah. had hemp tires, had hemp paneling, which was stronger than steel or carbon fiber, ran on hemp ethanol. So they have to glue it 
they would have to glue it together to make the body though, right? That has makes to be some kind of process it's, with it's fiberglass. Oh, fiberglass. Yes, yes. So yes, it's yes, using yes. hemp resin and hemp yes, fibers. Yes. Now I'll tell you right now, Boeing and Lockheed are both if, studying yeah. on hemp resin tech. NASA mm. is studying hemp resin tech for space because again, it's stronger it's than Kevlar and lighter than yes, sir. I'm working with several groups who, and I'll get circle back on this in a minute, but who are developing technologies for windmill blade replacements instead of using fiberglass that takes 700 mm -hmm. years to break down in our soil. These hemp blades take 60 years to break down in our soil. And so there's a lot of exciting technologies that are now that we're able to fully research what this plant is capable of, we can truly understand the damage that's been done by not having this research available for the last 80 years. Now we can apply technology to a plant that we've never really been able to truly go after here in the United States. And countries mm. like the Netherlands, New Zealand, they've been growing hemp. China, they've been growing hemp for hundreds of years. They've never stopped. That's mm. a, it's a major part of their economy for rope. And that's the deal. If you buy a rope, that is older than about 1950. Yeah. That rope is hemp. That is not cotton. That is not nylon. That is a hemp rope. And it, and it was just completely removed from the market between then and now. It only takes a couple of generations to, yeah. uh, to cover up. To forget something. Uh, atrocities. Yeah. Uh, and especially if it's taken out of the history books, if it's not openly mm. discussed, but the evidence is there. Our flags. Up until yeah. the 1950s, our American flags were all produced from hemp. They weather better than cotton. Oh. They can get wet and wick out and not. You can make clothing. Brittle. Oh, yes, sir. Sorry. It lasts so much longer. The ability to wash it and it retain its shape and not shrink and stretch so much more mm -hmm. elasticity as, as far as longevity of the material. The problem is, you know. Again, the textile industries, you know, building materials industries, all of these industries have been banned or barred from looking at and developing these technologies. And now we're seeing groups, even Elon Musk has got a substantial investment in developing hemp batteries using hemp nanocarbon versus lithium. And I think that's something that you're going to see in the next five to 10 years on the market. Because they're 100% sustainable. Wow. And, and no ecological impacts from the stripping so can, of lithium, et cetera. Yeah. And I can imagine that this hemp fiber can also produce carpets, like machine-made carpets. And stuff. 100%. Textiles. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. There, there's a company in Texas. Is, is, how is the cost? So that's the problem right now compared you know, that there's not enough hemp being farmed in America, right? And it's not even the farm side mm -hmm. of it. It's more of the processing side. There's not enough companies that are willing to spend the investment, develop a sustainable product. Now there's a company named 8,000 kicks that has a shoe, a hemp shoe that is completely built from hemp. The sole is a hemp styrofoam wow. and a hemp rubber. Everything on the shoe and they're waterproof and they're fairly affordable. They're about a hundred bucks. Good pair of Nikes, about a hundred bucks. So it's there, it's a cheaper material too. I, I take it. 
it it should be, but it's more expensive to produce than say nylon or petroleum-based products mm -hmm. because it has to be farmed. It has to be grown. And unfortunately, yeah, costs are on the rise. Yeah. There there are issues with sustainability, but I guess at some point we have to make that choice, right? To go, hey, I, as a as humanity, we have to look at getting away from these caustic petroleum-based synthetic high carbon emission products and I, I drive a pickup truck i'm in the country right i'm in no way a climatologist however i have two eyes and i can see what's happening to to our people our pets our kids mm -hmm. our food our farms yeah. we know what's going on mm -hmm. and that's what's driven me to yeah. develop new technologies such as blue magic i i would love to to, to to take this into chapter Please. two now. And, and so after we went out and we collected these genetics, right, from every county, we actually pulled 114 different strains from all over the state. And so there's probably more brought here. I'm sure we didn't get it all. But as of now, we know the U.S. government had 114 plus genetics brought here from all over the world. And as we started mm -hmm. researching each one of these and doing the chemical analysis to break down, we realized that, that one specific genetic had no CBD, no THC, which are the two common compounds in cannabis, for those that don't know. And it had only six specific biochemicals, sesquiterpenes, that replicate the same pheromonal excretions as, say, mosquitoes, chiggers, fleas, thrips, spi spider mites, all kinds of non-predatory insects as a warning mechanism, a defense mechanism, telling them to go away, there's danger. At the same time, it is a dinner bell to the beneficial bugs we want in our gardens and around our homes, like praying mantis oh. and ladybugs and bugs that eat other bugs, right? This pheromonal complex, this plant after 80 years of evolution, right? On its own in the wild, growing by a creekside, had developed the mechanisms to to protect itself now upon further research we also found that same complex is extremely effective as an antifungal and so for white powdery mildew black spot mm. several different types of fungus and even now we're doing some pathogenic research on bacteria very effective at eradicating that and that led us to the development of a product called blue magic and Blue Magic is the world's first pheromonal replication, plant-based fungicide and pesticide that we are now pretty heavily moving into the agricultural market and the home and garden market. We just wrapped up some studies with Auburn University yeah. that were extremely prolific, very good studies and, and research compared to most common products used in organic farming today. And even a couple that are used in non-organic farming, which is great when we can go out there and be more effective than a chemical-based product and typically cheaper uh, on our side. But we're really excited about the next 90 days launching our pet and people products. Again, this pheromonal complex, Ooh. extremely effective. Chiggers, fleas, mosquitoes, flying insects, noceums, sand mats. What about ticks? So it specifically is not effective on a tick. However, for our pets, okay. we do have a spray yeah. a shampoo that has added cedar oil and peppermint that is very effective on ticks. 
And this could be even created in a paint, for example, if somebody wanted to spray or paint their foundation just to avoid molding in more wet areas. Absolutely. You can use that as a treatment on areas that have been infected with mold or bacterial areas. Mm. Those are all new. The technology that we have discovered in this plant, and now we have to discover yeah. what all we can apply it to. And so I just partnered with a company out of Texas that does the flexible soft dog collars for your pets and cats. And we are in R&D mm -hmm. right now, a pheromonal pet collar for, and the benefit of that is that A, it's safe to have wow. Fluffy on your lap. You're not touching a chemical collar. Yeah. Fluffy's not getting chemicals rubbed yeah. on them every day. And the cool part is that when Fluffy's kids, on your lap. Sure. When Fluffy's on your lap now, now the flying insects don't want to be around either one of you, which is cool too. Yeah. And then we also yeah. have a waterless shampoo. Cool. And a spray for the pets. Now on our people, we just mm -hmm. completed the development or are now in the research phase of a mineral-based, all-natural SPF 40 sunscreen that incorporates this technology oh. uh, as a pest repellent as well. And we're in our waterproof ratings. We're shooting for a 90-minute waterproof rating. But if we can get 60, I'll be extremely happy. And that is going to be super exciting because there's just nothing like it on the market. I've got five kids. I buy a lot of sunscreen. we got crazy. a boat, a yeah. lake, right? Like, we go through it, and yeah. I'm buying this stuff. Yeah. And Seems like every year they're coming out with a new warning, right? Of, ah, oh, this sunscreen, right? Yeah. Is now linked to cancer. Exactly. And shit, last yes. year that was the good one. What am I supposed yes. to do? I still got three bottles of that. What the hell? Yeah. I still got three bottles. I bought it from Costco. <laughs> I'm extremely yeah. honored and blessed to be chosen by the good Lord's grace to walk up on this patch of cannabis growing in the middle of America and get to be the one that brings That's these amazing. sustainable solutions to market. I'm honored. Yeah. What about some states have legality behind hemp? Is that a problem with this product? No, sir. So what's really unique about Blue Magic is that uh, we discovered this strain of cannabis. fiber. No. So the 2018 Farm Bill, the federal Farm Bill, legalized hemp in all 50 states. Yeah. Even if the state has an issue okay, so it's not around the state, mm -hmm. the federal government and the USDA can issue okay. a grant. Marijuana. I think there's still Good. only like 30, 37 states that are legal for marijuana. Yeah. But uh, it comes yeah. to industrial. So hemp, this is different. Federally legalized. Yes, sir. Now, mm. I do want to stress that Blue Magic, another unique factor is that all six of those original complexes we use can be sourced individually from other plants around the world. And so we are able to recreate oh. that exact profile that we observed from other plants that are legal in all countries and all over the world. And that is the, how we produce Blue Magic. So we are yeah. completely compliant. There's no cannabis in the product, but the patent and the basis of the technology yeah. is held within the lost field, hemp fields of Oklahoma. That's awesome. I love it, Ryan. It's amazing the stuff that you're doing. We need more of this. And I can see that you're coming up with new and new research and inventions around it. We definitely need that because uh, the more you think about what we're putting into the ground and what's going to happen another 100, 200, 500 years, because really this is what we got, this planet. What we do today will make it, will help the future generation. So kudos to you and continue that on. And I appreciate you taking the time to come on our show today.
Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me. And uh, yeah, I've, I've had a blast. It's been fun. I'm grateful, grateful. Thank you so much. And audience, once again, thank you for joining us. Take a look at Ryan's uh, the show notes and his site information research. He's doing some phenomenal work. Definitely worth looking into. Even as an entrepreneur, there are some hidden gems in what he was saying. If you heard him, definitely there's an area where you can actually look into where you could benefit in your world as well. And appreciate you guys. And Ryan, thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, Shadid. My pleasure.